Does the world really need another podcast? There are over 5 million podcasts available globally with 70 million episodes that you can catch in 150 languages. So why go to the trouble of adding yet another? In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So if one heart can be touched, if one mind can be renewed, and if just one life could be transformed, then I think it's worth it. This is one more cast. Hey everyone, if you're between the ages of 18 and 35 and you're married, we'd love to have you join us for our Young Marriage Group class on Wednesday evenings in the portico at Calvary Tabernacle. This next episode is a lesson taught by Reverend Merrick Faulkner. Brother Faulkner has a Master of Theological Studies from Urshan Graduate School of Theology. He was an assistant pastor in Dewar, Oklahoma, as well as the promotions director for the Oklahoma Youth Department. He would want you to know, and this is probably the crowning jewel of his career, that he was third trumpet at the Calvary Christian School Band. Now, he and his wife, Michaela, serve as the director of First Impressions at Calvary Tabernacle. They have two incredible little children, Flora and Jet. This lesson is entitled, How to Win in the Wilderness. Hope you enjoy. All right. Does anybody have a Bible or a phone that they want to turn to Matthew chapter 4 with me? I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 4. And uh, tonight I want to talk about this thought. Um, it's a little title, Winning in the Wilderness. Um, and I, I think, has anybody ever dealt with a situation or a season of life where you thought you were in the wilderness, right? It's like, what in the world am I... Is going on if you're maybe not understanding what I'm talking about like the wilderness being like a season of of trial or man what is going on in my life confusion like how did I get here have you ever felt like that before or am I the only person right we've all felt like that and but I'm determined I think the Bible shows us that we can win in the wilderness we can win no matter what we go through Matthew chapter 4 this is a very cool passage of scripture where Jesus is the Bible says the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It's a very interesting thought when you think about the Spirit is what it's led him there. It says, and Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle in the temple and says unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands they shall bear thee up, lest 
at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, You should not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil takes him up to an exceeding high mountain and shows him the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto them, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then says Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. That's kind of a good thing to get into your repertoire. Uh, Get thee hence, Satan. Um, For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt I serve. And then uh, a really cool thing happens. The devil leaves him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. That's a pretty, pretty powerful thought. So I think Jesus gives us this really powerful uh, way that we can overcome the wilderness. He gives us kind of a template. Um, obviously, he was going there for 40 days of fasting, right? Because he was trying to subdue his flesh um, going into the crucifixion. I think it's pretty, I was thinking about this the other day. How cool is it, first of all, that God died for us, right? Sometimes I think we look past that and it's like, yeah, you know, he died. It's just part of the whole story. It's like, no, like, if you think about Jesus Christ was fully God, but he was fully human, right? So he wanted nothing to do with dying. Like, just like none of us want to go, like, have you ever done a cold plunge? Uh, You ever heard of cold plunging? It's like this big trend right now. It's terrible. You get in ice cold water uh, to shock your system awake, and it, and then all this dopamine and serotonin starts flowing, and you do the hardest thing in the morning, and you don't want to do it, but after you do it, it's great, right? If you've never done it, you should try it. I don't do it all the time. I've done it before, so I'm not claiming to be an expert, but the few times I've done it, it's worked out pretty good. I can't say that I did it this morning because I didn't want to get on that cross today. But I thought about how cool it is, like, he didn't want to die, right? But he did. And so this whole narrative in in Scripture, he's trying to subdue that flesh that's saying, I really, really don't want to do this. Um, That's why he prays, you know, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so it's really fascinating. I remember one time... Uh, when Michaela and I were living in Oklahoma, if you didn't know, or if you weren't listening just a few minutes ago, we used to live in Oklahoma. Um, it's right above Texas, if you're not familiar where Oklahoma is. And uh, so it's just, just north of Texas. You know that little spot where it drops down? That's Oklahoma. J.C. Sellers is from, or sorry, not Sellers anymore. It's Sister J.C. Uh, is from Oklahoma. It's an awesome place. We're thankful to have been there. But one time we were driving through this crazy 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 storm all right and the only way to get home was to drive through the storm and Michaela pulls up her GPS or the the weather radar thing and she's like hey we're we're like in the middle of this like it's not gonna get any better before we get home so we just had to drive through it and it was it was pretty rough and it was cool that we could look at the radar but obviously when in our life like we don't have that like when you're living in the wilderness if you're living in a storm you don't have like this GPS where God just says, hey, you know, in six months, if you just persevere, your life is going to be great. OK, it's just like when you live for God, you just go, hey, God, I'm in the storm. And he's a lot of the times he's like. <laughs> and you're going, hey, God, I'm in the storm. And he's going. Is anybody am I the only person that's ever experienced that before? 
I remember waiting on the call of God in my life and like waiting on God to do something and praying every day. God, you're going to have to do something because like I, it's not working. Whatever I'm doing is not working. And uh, I never got an answer till I got an answer. Right. It's it's that's just the way that it seems like it goes with God. But when you think about that, God did give us this this really, really interesting way of kind of combating that and and how he dealt with it. So I think he gives us this like three different things in this passage of scripture that really stand out. The first thing is if you just look at the temptations that the devil came at Jesus with, it really is telling of how we need to deal with our wilderness. The first thing that the devil did is he said, you need to feed your flesh, right? He said, you need to feed your flesh. So I think if you kind of even back up before that, if you wanted to add like maybe a fourth thing, before Jesus ever even got to that first like true temptation, he had to stay in the wilderness. Sometimes it's like really easy to just back away and be like, ah, God, I'm not like, it would have been easy like in the storm, right? To just turn around, park, wait, but you got to get home, right? You've got something to do. God's calling us to do something. And Jesus was this great example by just staying in the storm. The second thing is, is he denied this opportunity to feed his flesh. I was reading, and according to Medical News Today, a typical well-nourished male. Now, this is, this is an interesting data point here. A, a, a well-nourished male weighing 154 pounds. So I think I'm very well-nourished. I don't know about you. <laughs> But let's just go with this just for the sake of data. Um, a, a well-nourished male weighing 154 pounds, probably Brother Max stature, um, technically has enough calories uh, to survive between one and three months. So apparently we can fast for a long time. However, people who have voluntarily stopped eating to participate in hunger strikes have died after 45 to 61 days. So even though technically maybe you could last longer than that, they've shown that people have died in that time period, which suggests that a person would be unlikely to survive for three months. So the point I'm trying to make with that is Jesus fasted for 40 days. I mean, his body was literally on the brink of death. Like we think about that. It's like, I mean, people have done 40 day fasts. Everybody that I know that's ever done a 40-day fast, like they're drinking honey water and teas and, you know, which no hate, like no food at all for 40 days. Congratulations. But like, I don't know that he was, I don't read that in the Bible. I think he was literally probably close to dying. Um, but he was tempted to fat or, or to feed his flesh. And, and I think that's the great temptation that, that the devil gives. The first one is like, to feed your flesh. But I think the way we combat that is that we we starve our flesh. Obviously, you can do that through fasting, but there's a lot of ways to starve your flesh. Um, he needed food. Obviously, he was hungry. The, the Bible says he was hungry. We know that his body was physically hungry. But Satan was providing a solution to an immediate problem. And I think oftentimes we look at our situation with like, what is the quickest way to get out of pain? right? Like, how do we tap out from this? How do we figure out what, um, but that's not what God is, is offering the solution of. Satan 
will work hard to keep you from being hungry. I think one of the best things in life is to be hungry, right? When you think about like, and I'm not talking about physical hunger. When you think about like in your job, there's, there's nothing worse than a hungry salesman. Like when you're interacting with somebody and they're in sales and you can tell they haven't had a commission check in a while and they're a little too pushy. But also to the flip side of that, you always want your salespeople to be a little hungry because that keeps them wanting to work, right? It keeps you, there's nothing like more uh, incentivizing than your bank account being low to get out and go to work, right? Uh, there's nothing more incentivizing to eat than when you're starving. And so, but Satan is always trying to keep you from being hungry because that's when we're not productive. I mean, can you imagine, like, when are you the least productive? Right after you go and eat a big Italian meal full of carbs, that is my least productive time is right after I eat. And then all of a sudden, like my bed is calling and I'm, I'm thinking about another cup of coffee for the day, right? That's exactly where, uh, where the enemy wants us to get. But it's, it's interesting to me that Adam lost to his temptation in a place of perfection, but Jesus was able to overcome temptation in the wilderness. That tells me a, a few things. Number one, I think that our circumstances aren't like indicative of survival. So like, if you feel like, man, you don't like, that's, that's cool. I get what you're saying, but like, you don't understand where I'm coming from. You don't understand what I'm having to overcome. Well, I mean, I don't, and, and no one in this room may understand you or me. You, you, you may not understand some of the stuff that I've dealt with this week, but I can tell you this, no matter what it is, it's not 40 days in the wilderness with literally Satan coming and telling you that you, you need to eat or tempting you to jump off a building or tempt, like, that's some pretty real stuff. And so your, your circumstances aren't indicative of your survival. That's, that's a, but I, I think also that your, your character can really crush your calling. If you think about the opportunity for Christ in his flesh, obviously we know he's Christ, he's God. He could have done whatever he wanted to do, but his flesh said, I'm going to submit to this trial. I'm going to submit to this opportunity because of the character that he had. That's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. And when we think about the opportunities in our life and what we have to go through sometimes, it's going to be our character that, that keeps us through those, through those situations. So I believe that we can win in the wilderness by speaking the word of God. He literally spoke the word of God to Satan and corrected him every time um, that Satan reached out to him. The second temptation that I think is really interesting is that he tried forcing God's hand. So the first one, obviously, feeding his flesh, keeping him from being hungry. But the second one, he tried forcing God's hand. And the second temptation, Satan wants Jesus to test God or to prove himself and others, prove to himself and others that he is the Son of God. I think a lot of the times there's like this challenge that you need to prove yourself or you need, it's like that lack of humility, right? But forcing God's hand is not trusting God, it's testing God. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty powerful thing to think about. God's hand and angelic protection are for those that are, that are in the will of God. 
that was what was so fascinating when you read the story, like he goes through all this stuff and then all of a sudden angels are ministering. I mean, we know angels are ministering spirits, right? Um, I was just reading this morning uh, in my devotion, First uh, Corinthians 11, about, uh, you know, the angelic protection that you get whenever you live certain ways. And when you live according to the will of God, you have this unbelievable protection in your life. Um, I, I think you forfeit that whenever you start testing God. I think you forfeit that protection whenever you start putting God, like, if God didn't ask you to do that, it may not be wise to put God to the test. Like, uh, it, it, Satan takes Psalm 91, 11 through 12 out of context. Won't, won't the angels keep you from harm? That, that wasn't the context there. That promise is for those who make the Lord their habitation. The Bible says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. It's saying, if, if you stay in that dwelling place, if you don't leave, there's this powerful concept about like staying under the hedge of protection with God, right? right. And when we when we stay underneath the hedge, it's it's almost like an umbrella. And I I'm not like trying to like teach that as if somebody doesn't already know that. But maybe just remind us that there is a very spiritual protection that comes whenever you just say yes to God, staying in the wilderness, not testing Him, not leaving whenever He because I. I've been praying all day and all week, and you know, Brother Mac asked me several weeks ago, like, will you teach? I've been kind of wrestling about what to teach, but I feel like there's somebody that's going through a season of maybe it's a wilderness season for you. Maybe it's something that you're like, hey, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm not 100% sure why I'm going through this. Listen, if that's you, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to like ease it up a little. Uh, if that's you, that's okay. I think like, is everybody in here between the age of 20 and 35? Is that the age of this class? 25 to 35, maybe pretty close. So we're all like in that, like, get like, if you're, if you're like a social media influencer, it's like, get on your grind, man. You know, like you gotta, you gotta do something awesome with your life, you know? And I look around here and see like lots of people that are doing great things with their life, that are really crushing it at life. That's awesome. And if you feel like everybody else is crushing it at life and why am I not there yet, that might be the wilderness. Or you may think, I'm called to do this great thing for God or I'm called to uh, <laughs> whatever it is. Or you feel like... You know, I'm supposed to be making a lot more money than I'm making right now. Or I'm supposed to be having all these kids. Why am I not having these kids yet? Like, infertility is a real thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, waiting for your job is a real thing. Like, God opening the door is a real thing. So when we allow, when we, like, man, I'm in the pocket right now for somebody. Okay? When you will stay, when we meet... I'm in the pocket for me right now, if I can just be honest. And if, if we will just stay in the wilderness, there is a powerful, powerful thing that comes. It's the dwelling place. The second temptation, Satan removes Jesus from the wilderness. 
He takes him out of the place that the Spirit sent him. Catch that. He takes him out of the wilderness onto the pinnacle of the temple to show him if you just jump. And he just brings him right back to that. That's, you're trying to take me out of where the Spirit of God is leading me. And there is a great, there is a huge temptation whenever we get to this place where God is leading us a certain way, God is trying to direct us a certain way, and we say, yeah, but it'd be easier to go here. Yeah, but it'd be, it would be a whole lot better for me if I, would just, if I would just step into this other direction. Satan will do anything to get you away from what God wants you to do. I don't know that's like a little bit elementary. I know that's not like revolutionary knowledge for anybody. But hopefully it's just a reminder. Satan asked the question, do you trust God? Satan wants us to, to take a self-serving risk. He, he asks us to do risks that are self-denying. So I think the application for that is, is when we test God, are we setting ourselves up for a crisis of faith? I think a lot of times we get ourselves in this really crazy place with God because we start getting outside of his protection and we start doing things that are outside of what we, like we, we were on a path with God. We were on track with God. And then, then we take a step over here and then God's got this, this, this covering out here for us and we stepped out of it and then we're wondering why it's raining in our life. And I think a lot of the times we do that almost maybe even without realizing it's so easy to step out because there's voices that are saying, like, hey, maybe it'd be easier if you'd do it this way. Maybe it'd be easier if you would take this other job. Maybe it'd be whatever it is in your life. But when we leave God's plan, I, I do believe that we lose his hand of protection. So I think the other application is, is know the word of God. <laughs> if, the, if the enemy's starting to contort the word of God in your life and he's starting to tell you things it's we need to know the book but we also need to know what he's saying to us and if like how many are super busy in this room anybody busy like okay I was trying to prep for tonight um my daughter was like hey daddy hey daddy hey daddy the whole time which is awesome and I'm thankful for that but I mean, you know, you wake up in the morning, you try to, you know, go to the gym, you try to pray, you try to read your Bible, you try to go to work, you know, excel at work. You try to spend some time with your wife and your kids or your husband or whatever. Everybody's got to be married in here, right? Okay. This is a young married class. Is everyone still married? If you're not... Uh, Sister JC is right over there. <laughs> and I took pastoral counseling classes at Urshan whenever I got my master's. And the whole time they kept saying, you need to find counselors that actually know what they're talking about. Because if you're a pastor, you're not a counselor. So <laughs> talk to JC. <laughs> She's studying that. All right. I charge after 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. See, this is a little plug. Anybody else got a, like a business they're trying to start? We can plug it right now. She's on her grind. It'll be on, yeah, she's on her grind as we speak. 
Man. Does anybody want to know something really crazy? I was on my computer before this started and was totally going to teach something else until I walked up here. So, I don't know who this is for. Maybe it's just for me. But this is what I'm teaching tonight. I think the, la- like the, the, the third temptation that, that we see in this text is Satan offers Jesus this freedom from service. That's like almost like an oxymoron when you think about it. Like how many of you have ever found a discipline in your life that you thought, this just changed my life? Does anybody have a discipline in your life that you feel like, this just changed my life? Like, I remember when we, my wife and I got into like budgeting our, our finances and you feel like, man, if I have to do a budget, that's going to like box me in. Um, and then you realize like, wow, I, I just got a pay raise because I did a budget and I realized I spent way too much money at Ale Emporium, <laughs> right? Or wherever you eat. If you're listening online, we're not alcoholics. Ale Emporium is a restaurant. <laughs> That one person that's probably listening to me, they saw my name in the thing, and then they said, I'm not listening this week. But whoever's left, and you're still here at this point, after you figured out that he changed lessons, right before he started. I, I'm not an alcoholic. So, um, what, what were we talking about? If you find a discipline in your life that, it's, it's because discipline creates freedom, right? It's like this paradox, like discipline creates freedom. Like the more you put yourself into, we had this girl in, in Oklahoma on our music team. Uh, Michaela really got involved in the music. I was, you know, if you're an assistant pastor at like a medium sized church, you kind of like have to do a lot of weird random stuff. And so I was involved to help him with music. I know nothing about music. And we had this girl that just hated tracks. She didn't want to do anything with tracks. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, we're, we're trying to do, everybody else is doing this thing and you don't want to do it. And finally she's like, feels like you're putting me in a box. And it's like, like you're putting yourself in a box by not getting on, like the track allows everybody to flow together. It's like, we're all disciplining ourselves to not just play whatever we think we want to play so that everything's better in, our, in the whole music, right? I don't know. I, that's at least my perception. Again, I know nothing about music, <laughs> but that's just what I hear from people that are smarter than I am. And so if, if, if I'm wrong, at least it wasn't taken out of context with the Bible, okay? <laughs> but... <laughs> But he offers him this freedom from service. Satan offers the kingdoms of this world in place for his worship. And Jesus didn't rebuke Satan's offering because th- Satan is the prince of this world. He, he does, like, if we think that, like, Satan doesn't exist, like, newsflash, he exists, okay? Like, Satan's very real. I think this is interesting. It's a little bit off topic, but I'm not even teaching the lesson I was planning on teaching anyways, so why does that matter? If you do your research, 
and again, I think I'm right. I'm not 100% sure. Brother Matt could probably correct me. Every time you read about Satan in the Bible, it's like, if you read it in the original language, it's always like, Satan means adversary, okay? It's not a name. And it's always like the Satan. So like the adversary, okay? And Lucifer is actually not a name. It's like a transliteration when they took the Old Testament from Hebrew to Latin. It's a long story that I don't have time to explain right now, but that's just like a transliteration of the, the original word. Lucifer is not his name. I don't even think that the Bible ever gives Satan a name, which is really interesting because there's only one name. So I'm not here to preach, but that's pretty cool. Um, so when you think about Satan as this adversary, he's very real. But, man, he does not have the power that we give him. Okay, and man, I really wasn't planning on talking about this tonight. But when we were in Oklahoma, we saw a lot of demonic possession. As crazy as that sounds. Um, man, I am like, it's 9.38, and I'm talking about devils, and I was not planning on doing this. Huh? Oh, it's 19. If it's 9.38, if you're still here, it's not. <laughs> You fell asleep a while ago, but you're awake. It's 9.38. Um, okay, so when we, when we started seeing demonic stuff, this is like, this is not, this is not on this. Okay. Um, when we started seeing demonic stuff, it really changed my whole world because... I am not a fearful person at all by nature. Like, I, like, I'm not saying I'm fearless. I'm not jumping out of a plane. There's a lot of stuff I won't, I'm scared of. But I'm saying, like, I don't fear, like, spiritual stuff like that. Um, but when I began to see some of this stuff, it didn't give me any fear at all. It gave me tremendous confidence, like, in God. Because you recognize, like, Man, this is not powerful. Like there it has a lot of power, but it's not like it's it's like you think of like good and evil like a like like one against the other. It's like we're not even on the same playing field. Like I feel like like I'm closer to God than you are. Like not even close. And when you start seeing some of that very real stuff and you just say in Jesus name and stuff starts like crazy stuff starts happening and these demons start obeying what you're telling them to do you're like I'm not a good like by any stretch am I some kind of like spiritual giant I mean I'm just a I'm only 5'9 you know (laughs) 5'10 if you're listening online Uh, and uh, you know like just you, you just realize like I watch people that I'm very close to that dealt with like tremendous fear like okay it's okay i remember like when we were in our room we used to live in the church parsonage i remember when we were in our room and like all of a sudden like i'm laying there in bed it's like three o'clock in the morning and you know like when it's dark and then it gets like real dark like but we didn't have the blinds closed, but it got like real dark. 
And like all of a sudden I feel like this, like that didn't feel right. And I said, Mikhail, are you awake? And she's like, yeah, I'm awake. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. So neither one of us should be awake. And I'm like, maybe we need to pray. And I was like, whatever's in this room, you need to leave in Jesus' name. And it was like somebody turned the lights on. And all of a sudden, this, this fear just was gone. Well, that happened. Then, like, we started seeing, like, actual, like, people come to church, start, like, come to church, start manifesting, like, some crazy demonic stuff. And, like, again, it's 941, so I don't have time to go through, like, all the details of that. But, like, I mean, like, people's eyes rolling back in their head and saying crazy things. And, like, I mean, all, like, you name it, we saw it. it was crazy. And, but then I watched my pastor, who, ultra-spiritual guy, who is the most, like, phlegmatic, like, just relaxed, like, ultra non, like, when I, when I used to think of, like, ultra-spiritual people, I would think of, like, really boisterous people. He's, like, the exact opposite of that. He's, like, really relaxed, hangs out in his office, but, like, I mean, you know Brother Martin, like, just super chill guy. But, like, okay, it's 942, and we're getting into some crazy stuff that I wasn't planning on. Like, we had this revival one time. This lady's fully devil-possessed, and he tells me, hey, I got to deal with church. You need to just take her in the prayer room and deal with it. And, like... Again, I'm only 5'10", and so I'm like, okay. So we go in the prayer room, and I'm, like, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Hadn't really seen a whole lot of this yet. And then, like, all of a sudden, he walked in the room, and it was like somebody had called the sheriff. Like, just unbelievable. Like seconds he's taking care of this like he 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 he, one time we they were kind of a little old school in this sense like we sit on the platform still and he he bumped me and he was like hey after church today i gotta go cast devils out of somebody and this is the first time i'd ever even heard of anything like this (laughs) and i'm like you know what He's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast devils out of this guy. And I'm like, can I come? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, you can come. So, I mean, we walk in there and, like, systematically just starts cat three different spirits out of this person. And just unbelievable, like, at, straight out of a movie situation. The guy gets filled with the Holy Ghost in his house. Like, the guy's living for God still right now. Unbelievable story. Um I think the point is, he was like ultra spiritual because every week he'd just fast one day a week, every week, all the time. Um, And he's been doing that for like 30 years. And, you know, the Bible says some things only come out by prayer and fasting. And I've literally seen that happen. And it was just pretty unbelievable to watch a guy 
that when you start talking about being free from service, like the enemy would love to keep us from doing this fast with the church. The enemy would love for us to like not serve, not give of ourselves, not fast, not do the... He would love to alter what we worship. He would love to change what we give our time to, what we invest in, what, like, and I don't know who that's for, but if you're feeling like, man, I'm not sure that I really need to give this, like, everything I've got, like, it's time. It is, like, very much time because, man, like, if you feel like, you know, I don't know why I'm in this wilderness season right now. All I can tell you, like, it's 946 on a Wednesday night. And, like, we got to get serious about getting a hold of God, loving God, putting Him first, and serving. And worshiping like it's, like it's on the line. Jesus' response was scripture. He said, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. Shall take oaths in his name. Is service. Satan left out service from his temptation, but Jesus knew whatever we worship is what we serve. That's a pretty powerful thought. What you worship is what you serve. What you give your time to, what you discipline yourself with is what we're serving. Scripture promises you nations as inheritance. In Psalm 2, it says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Satan was desperate to get Jesus to skip on the process and go straight into like this promise that he was going to give him. He's asking, you know, why would you be a servant when you could be a king? That's a that's like a very like relevant thing that we get asked all the time. Like, why would you do something so stupid as going to church on a Wednesday night? Like, why wouldn't you take those extra hours at work when you can make more money? You could. Why 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 would you why would you make a sacrifice? Like, you know, the Bible says he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Like he. God's going to ask us to do some very, like, weird stuff. Like, I look back at living in Oklahoma, moving back to India. Like, like we, we left a really good situation to come back here and sit. And I'm like, God, why, like, why has that all happened the way it's happened? I don't really know. Like, all I know is that I'm just kind of, I'm trying to follow him. Like, I... You know, there's been a lot of days where I'm like, I don't even know if I'm still a preacher. I don't really preach very often. I used to preach a lot. Now, I only preach at 948 on a Wednesday. (laughs) And I'm only (laughs) 5'11". But he tried to, Satan is is definitely going to try to get us out of the process straight into our promise. 
So I think the application there is don't forsake God's promise because you can't handle the process. There's been a lot of times in my life where I've tried to like make something happen. And I think there's a like a line there because I think in one sense God is going to ask like a lot of us, so we got to be willing to work, right? But then there's that there's that other like side of that where you can get real complacent and call like I think sometimes people get real complacent and call it waiting. And I think God's like, I'm asking you to work. Like, I'm asking you to do your best. I'm asking you to persevere in the wilderness, to pray and to fast. To, to, I mean, nothing more difficult than that. But don't forsake God's promise because you can't handle the process. Stay in the process and keep serving God. So... Um, I think in summary, I think Satan wants us to feed our flesh. I think he really wants us to give up on that, that hunger and that desire. I'm telling you, when you get hungry for the things of God, there is a depth of, of, of things. I mean, like I, I'm like by far not the deepest person in, in this room. Okay. Like I'm not trying to say that. I'm like Dixie Cup deep compared to Chris McGrath. You know, he's he is deep. But I am taller than Chris. For anyone listening who can't see, I'm a lot taller. Satan also wants us to force the hand of God. Um, and, and when I say that, it's almost like an oxymoron to say force the hand of God. We can't force his hand, but in our mind, force his hand. If that Does that make sense? Like w- doing things that he'll have to react. He'll have to help. He'll, I'm telling you, doing that is like we're setting, like you just set yourself up for like a crisis of your faith by saying God's getting ready. Like if he didn't say it, don't count on it. If he says it, it's going to happen. But if he didn't say it, just be careful, you know. I, I'm just a Dixie Cup, so don't let me tell you. But Chris told you. Um, and then I think Satan also wants us to become free from serving God. Free from, you know, free from that service. Free from giving ourselves. Like, but I, without the shadow of a doubt, there is not freedom without discipline there's not freedom without service and the bible says in first john two sixteen, for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world all these things that 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 we push for that we want that's that's not of him and so i guess i would just kind of kind of close this up it's 952 um that jesus showed us how to win in the wilderness by forsaking our flesh by by trusting the plan of god by staying in the plan of god and and through serving god through whatever temptation that we have and like i don't know where somebody's at in the wilderness but if you're there like, it's all right. Yeah. 
like it's okay and may like you know i'm probably like a touch on the prideful side if i could be like so humble to say that <laughs> like okay like is that is that okay like so i don't like feeling like i don't have my life together does anybody else feel like that like like it, uh, maybe it's just the guys all you girls are so awesome but like like us guys are so dumb we're like we're supposed to have everything figured out right now right and if you're like me and you don't have your life all figured out today it's all right and stay in it and lean on people you know let me give you a bit of advice that i've learned and who am i to give advice because i'm just a dixie cup but I got a whole other story that I could tell you about that, but I'm not going to tell it because it's 9.54. But find somebody that's ahead of you, like, like Neil or somebody else, because it's really funny because people that are ahead of you don't have a problem pulling you up. Like if you're looking to somebody that has their own small little ego and like, you're trying to feel like like get good advice or or prayer or like a fasting partner or somebody that's going to encourage you probably not good to look to the person that doesn't have their act together or that's in competition with yeah. you or like which by the way i don't feel at like competition with you I'm not saying you need to come offload your problems on me, but I'll, I will gladly pray for you if you just want to say, hey, Merrick, like, please pray. Like, I will pray. And I would hope that you do that for our family, too. Like, like the coolest thing, I think, for a group like this is to be able to look at each other and say, it's all good. Like, you know what? Because... If you find people that will cheer for you now, they'll be blowing you up when it works out, when you get out of the wilderness. So find the people that have already been there or somebody that's ahead of you. It's people that are ahead of you love to pull you up. They love to say, hey, you can do it, or this is how I did it. Or like if you go find some guy that's getting ready to retire, they love to say, this is how you make money. This is how you... like." The greatest gift I ever got in my life was getting to know Brother Martin, my pastor in Oklahoma. He called me this week, literally prophesied to me the most unbelievable thing right when something major in my life happened. But he, he's already been there. He's already done that. He's, he's willing to, you know what I'm saying? But if you're in the wilderness, it's all good. God's got it. God bless you guys. <laughs>